0: Chapter Fifty Three of Agnes Sorel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty Three. A little after ten o'clock at night, a party of some five and twenty persons, escorting one of the large horse litters of the day, stopped in the courtyard of the old castle of Saint Florent. One or two servants came forth to meet them and instantly recognized De Brace's right to admission lights were procured and the young nobleman himself handing agnes sorel from the litter led her into the great hall while jacques cur followed with jeanne de vendome my indignation at that woman's duplicity whispered agnes sorel as they advanced has made me very thirsty let them bring me some water my friend jean charost gave the order she desired to the servant who went before them with the lights and the whole party of four paused for an instant in the hall agnes sorrel bending her eyes upon the ground as if lost in thought suddenly however she raised her head saying come de brecy i will not keep you from your love i will lead you to her i know where she is to be found ha said jeanne de vendome with a very marked emphasis as jean charost and his fair companion left the room will you not go with them madame asked jacques cur who had no great love for the lady left behind i think not replied jeanne de vendome in a quiet easy tone lovers meetings should have as few witnesses as possible and she and jacques cur remained in the hall the good merchant going to the window and gazing out upon the night a minute or two after the servant returned with a flagon of water from the castle well and a silver drinking cup these he set upon the table and retired jeanne de vendome gazed at them for a moment and then said aloud i am thirsty too quietly approaching the table she placed herself in such a position as to stand between the flagon and jacques Cur. poured herself out some water drank set down the cup again and after remaining a short time in that position turned to the window and took her place beside the merchant in the meantime jean charost with a light in his hand accompanied agnes sorrel up the stairs and through a long passage at the top you seem to know the castle even better than i do he said as she guided him on i have been this road in secret once before she answered gaily mine is a happier errand now de brecy but we must thread out the labyrinth i have hid your little gem where best it might lie concealed a few moments more however brought them to a door which agnes sorrel opened and there with an elderly waiting-maid of madame de brecy's stood his own agnes gazing with anxious terror toward the door she was somewhat pale somewhat thinner than she had been and the noise of horses feet in the court below had made her heart beat fearfully the moment she saw de brecy however she sprang forward and cast herself into his arms he pressed her closely to his heart but all he could say was my agnes "'My own Agnes. All is well, and you are mine.' Agnes Sorrell put a fair hand upon the arm of each. "'May you love ever as you love now,' she said, "'and may God bless you in your love. "'Oh, de Brecy, just a year ago "'you gave me the most painful moment I have ever felt. "'When I told you I would guard and protect her, "'there came such a look, oh, such a look in your face, "'a look of doubt and fear, more reproachful, more monetary.' more condemnatory than anything but my own heart has ever spoken i give her back to you now pure and bright and true as you left her with me with the bloom and brightness of her mind as fresh and unsoiled as ever love her and be beloved and may god bless you ever de brecy took her hand and kissed it for how much i have to thank you he answered for all for everything for i am certain that but for your influence this happy meeting would have never been it might not answered agnes with a cheek glowing with many emotions but i call heaven to witness De the influence i unrightly possess has never been and never shall be exercised but to do justice to prompt aright and to lead to honour now let us go agnes you must back with us to the court as the bride of him you love Make no long preparation nor delay. You will find us waiting for you in the hall. Come, de Brecy. come. More lover's words another time. When they reached the hall, Agnes advanced at once to the table, filled the cup, and drank. Then, turning gaily to Jacques Cur, she said, We have not been long, my friend. I went on purpose to cut caresses short. Our fair companion will be here anon. How brightly the stars are shining! Methinks it would be very pleasant if one could wing one's way there up aloft and look into the brilliant eyes of heaven. A minute or two after she turned somewhat pale, and seated herself in a large armchair which stood near. She said nothing, but an expression of pain passed across her countenance. Shortly after, de Brace's Agnes entered, prepared to go, and Agnes Sorrel rose, supporting herself by the arm of the chair and saying, let us be quick. I feel far from well. She was soon placed in the litter, and they went on quickly toward Bourg. But once or twice during the short journey, Jacques Cur put forth his head, urging the drivers of the litter to make more haste. When they entered the courtyard of his house, and the litter stopped before the great door, the good merchant sprang out at once, saying, Help me to carry her in, Jean. She is very ill they lifted her out in their arms and bore her into the house pale and writhing confusion and dismay spread through the court physicians were called and gave some relief she became somewhat better well enough to travel to a distant castle but ere six weeks were over the kind the beautiful the frail was in her grave and none knew how she died from that moment, a fear of poison seized upon the mind of Charles the Seventh, and affected the happiness of all his after days. The king did not keep his promise of being present at the marriage of de Brécy and Agnes de Saint Florent, and their own joy was baptized in sorrow. End of Chapter Fifty Three. End of Agnes Sorrel by George Payne Rainsford James. Read by Lynn Thompson